The Unpacked Podcast, Episode 5, How to Travel Well. Welcome to The Unpacked Podcast. I'm Nikki Shirkman, here with my husband, Jordan. Hey, Nikki. Hey, Jordan. What's new? Well, it's actually been a little bit since we've recorded a podcast. We recorded a few in advance, kind of before the summer started and things picked up. So now we're nearing the end of the summer. It's been a good summer, though. It is. What have we been doing? Well, we traveled out west for a training for, for our jobs to prepare to head overseas. So that was, it was really fun. Met lots of new friends there and caught up with some old friends and our families came out for a family weekend. That was good. We're in Fort Collins, Colorado. Beautiful state, city. We really loved where we were at. Yeah, it was a good place to spend the summer. Not hot and humid and muggy like the Midwest. We always talk about the weather in the beginning. I know. We got to get away from that. Sorry, it's boring. Everyone talks about the weather all the time. But if we didn't have the weather, what would we talk about? So true. Anyway, conversation starter. It's, it's kind of it's kind of a good fit because we did travel out west and we road tripped, which is our first, maybe our last road trip. Perfectly our last. Yeah, it was a positive experience. We had fun, but it was it was a long a long trip from Ohio. So we drove like you know fourteen hundred miles out and fourteen hundred miles back and. I definitely prefer air travel. Absolutely. It was fun to go the way there. It took us about 21 hours. We took the slightly longer but more scenic route. So we got to stop in St. Louis, go to the top of the arch, see these states in the middle of America that we otherwise probably wouldn't have a reason to go to. It was good. I enjoyed it. So we've done road travel. We're a little more experienced in air travel we have no experience with time travel, Mm-mm. but we're going to talk about air travel today. Before we dive into that and start unpacking stuff, a shout out to our friend Jared from Cincinnati who left just a super kind five-star iTunes review. So thanks for those reviews. You can review our podcast if you like us, and if you don't, just keep that to yourself or write a note to yourself of what you would say that might be mean and would hurt our feelings, but you can do that by going to iTunes and searching for unpacked or going to unpacked.co slash iTunes. And that'll take you to our iTunes page. You can leave a five-star review so other people can find us. And that would be awesome. So we're talking about travel today, Nikki, where do we, where do you start? Let's start with when was your first flight on an airplane? Huh? That's a good question. I, I haven't thought of that. I feel like I was probably pretty young that traveling by plane was kind of common in my family. I would guess like maybe five. My dad and I went to Florida when I was pretty young. I feel like I was five. We saw the world's largest alligator in Orlando, and I think we went to Disney World. Wow. How about you? That must be every Ohioan kid's first trip. In second grade, we flew to Orlando, Florida to go to Disney World. Classic. However old you are in second grade, I'm awful at knowing what age you are in different grades. I normally add six plus the year. That's my standard. So eight. Eight, probably. Okay. Yeah. And it, it, you know, 
some kids go into school a little bit younger, some are a little bit older, but six is safe because most kids aren't older than that when they start kindergarten. So at the very least you're like, Oh, are you, you know, are you eight? They're like, Oh, I'm only seven, but I'll be eight. Whereas if you say, Oh, are you seven? Kids are like, no, I'm eight or I'm seven and a half. I'm seven and three quarters. How dare you? No kid likes to be no. told that they're not as old as they actually are. At what point do you stop adding the half to your age? Mm. I think around 16 because 15 and a half counts. Well, depending on where you live in Ohio, that's when we can get our driver's permit and start our temporary temporary license. license. So the half actually matters. It's the only age really. I think the half actually counts for something. Mm -hmm. And then once you're 16, you have your license after that, it starts to, yeah, who cares when you're 16 and a half. Yeah. Although I did celebrate my half birthday last year. Which was kind of exciting. You've celebrated your half birthday the last few years, actually. <laughs> it's kind so, of strange, yeah. but I love it. So we took our first flights, each of us independently, to Florida from Ohio. But obviously, we did practically nothing to help plan that trip, probably at a young age. At least I didn't. I don't know. You've been planning things since you were practically an infant. But yeah, planning feels like a good solid place to start on, on traveling. So we've traveled a lot by plane. We've been to a lot of places or pretty budget conscious as we've noted in episode one of this podcast. So we wanted to just talk through some things that have been helpful for us when we plan trips and when we travel and wanted to talk about things that other people maybe haven't heard before or things that have been, that are kind of new to us. So this isn't just like a boring travel agent spiel or we're not trying to sell you a timeshare or anything. We just wanted to share some tips that have been helpful for us. And some good questions to ask of yourself, the people you're traveling with, because this is a podcast about starting conversations. So how to do that with traveling. So in starting with planning, I think we all start with where, where do we go? For some people, if you're going to visit someone specifically, that won't be an issue. But we're like, we want to take a vacation. Where should we go? Where should we go? That's a great first question to start with. So kind of to break that down a little bit, because that can be really broad. You know, we can literally get to almost anywhere in the world if you if you have enough cash. So the, the question we started with is, what's most important to you on a vacation? So some examples are relaxing, sightseeing, eating local food, local entertainment, activities, tours, history. And what is most important to you on this vacation specifically, maybe not in general? And so you're trying to, this is especially helpful. Most people aren't traveling alone, so that's a little easier to decide. But when you're talking with lots of different people or you have a large family vacation, you know, what is most important where do we want to go? Talk about these things so we can get on the same page. And also another question, would you rather relax more or do more? Hmm. Cause this can really divide a vacation. If you have the goer who wants to be nonstop seeing everything, doing everything, or the person that just wants to sit on the chair on the beach and relax. Yeah. Beach is pretty, pretty notoriously like you're just gonna you're just gonna sit there and maybe you'll go to some restaurants and things but if you go to the mountains probably gonna do more you know you're probably gonna hike and do different things or if you go to a city you're probably gonna explore the city so that's kind of question number two would you rather relax more or do more next question we have is do you want every day planned or do you want to just have options or go with the flow that can be that can be a little tense absolutely because some people are planners and some people are winging it as they go. And even I am a planner, 
but I by no means like to have every day filled with an agenda and itinerary. I think it's good kind of at the beginning, if you're going somewhere to say, what are all the things we'd like to see once we get there? And then kind of figuring out how to make that possible once you're in said location. This next question is going to cut down some options or maybe open up some more options potentially, how much total do we want to spend on this vacation? So we need to think about traveling, getting there, food once we're there, accommodations where we're staying, you know, are we staying in a hotel or are we camping? Entertainment, what are the types of things we want to do while we're there? I think that's, I don't know, maybe I would argue that that would potentially be the first question you would ask because there's no sense in dreaming about a beach, beach vacation in the Caribbean if you can't afford to go on a beach vacation in the Caribbean. But it's an important question to talk about. People want to be on the same page with this. Absolutely. The next question that is important is how how will we get around once we're there? So once we're in this state or this country, are we taking a rental car, public transportation? Is public transportation safe where I'm going? Is that a reliable source? Can it go around? Does it run late into the night, early in the morning? All these things are questions that change location to location. Mm -hmm. Or could we just take a taxi to get from the airport to our hotel and then we can walk everywhere? Can we rent bicycles in the city? Or did I bring rollerblades or do I have, uh, what's the uh, ripstick? Oh yes. Yeah. That's been, I I like ripsticks. I don't have one, but some of our cousins have ripsticks and it's this kind of I don't know. It has two wheels on it and it's kind of like a a skateboard, but it has two independent parts that are connected by a rod in the middle and they move independently and you move your feet forward and backwards at opposite times to gain momentum. You kind of just shake your body as you're doing it. Yeah, you kind of, kind of shake your hips and move your feet forward and backwards. It's, (laughs) It's, it's fun. It's pretty amazing to watch. It feels a little bit strange for a grown man to own though. So I just borrow people's. Mm-hmm. The next question I think we've especially encountered because we've traveled in bigger groups before and communication starts to break down the more people we bring into a group. So I think asking, is there freedom to do our own thing or do we want to try to do things as a group? So is it okay if Jordan and I want to go to dinner at this restaurant and other people would rather go to a different one and just communicating that it's okay to have the freedom to go your own way, do your own thing. And so that expectations aren't unmet or unspoken. That's solid. That really clears up a lot of potential pitfalls. So many of these questions are just about expectation management. What do I expect this vacation to be like? What does everyone else expect it to be like? How can we find some common ground and get on the same page? Next one is one that applies to certain vacations. If my flight gets canceled, will it ruin everything? So, you know, if you're going on a cruise in the winter and the polar vortex sweeps through and your flight gets canceled and you miss your cruise, they're not holding the boat for you. Like they're, they're leaving port and you are stranded in a nasty winter. So, you know, well, and that even applies for work travel too. You know, am I trying to fly out the morning that I'm giving a presentation somewhere These are things to consider. Maybe I should go the day before and get a hotel. So I need to add that into the cost. But man, that makes me really nervous getting on a cruise and not getting there until the day of the cruise. I'm I'm almost sweating just thinking about that. And you've been on one cruise and that never happened to you, but you just anticipate what could go wrong. It could happen. It could happen to you. 
So things to think through. Yeah. If your flight gets canceled, that's a bummer. And sometimes the airline just doesn't care and they will leave you stranded. Here's kind of a quick tip about when you're thinking about these things. I have often dreamt of like, okay, I have this much money to spend. What can I do with it? Where can I go? So one of our favorite websites for finding flights, I think the cheapest place to find flights is kayak.com spelled just like the little one person boat that you paddle in kayak.com slash explore will take you to this giant map where you can set your airport of choice that you're leaving from. And I think you can even select, you know, surrounding airports as well. And you can set the price you want to pay the, yeah, like I said, the airport you'll fly from the type of weather that you want to go to, the time of year that you want to go. There's a ton of options and it'll just show you all of the options available for your price range and where you'd like to go and all these different things. So it's pretty cool. It'll kind of expand your horizons. You're like, oh, I never thought about going to this place at this time. That would be pretty cool. We just want to go on vacation. We don't know exactly where. It kind of is a cool way. So kayak.com slash explore will help you out in that area. That's such a smart idea. Whoever came up with that kayak, way to go. Kudos, kayak. So impressive. So speaking of kayak, a couple other things we'll mention. And we're not going to, yeah, mostly we're just kind of throwing out ideas of how to plan and not getting into too many specifics. But a couple of our favorite websites, kayak is our favorite for booking flights. Airbnb is a good option for looking for places to stay. And that's basically where you rent a room or an apartment from someone. And that has been a, a good option for us at times. Other times we've stayed in places where we were surprised to find that they had cats. And we're not exactly animal lovers. We're and the not. cat was like hanging out in our room. Like, this is weird. But most of most Airbnb sites say if there's pets, you see pictures of the owners of the house. There's are a lot of reviews. So it's a pretty solid site and pretty widely used. So you can get a good feel for what your accommodations will be like. And we've had great experiences with it too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it's it's really good. And it's I think it's especially helpful for families where it's like when you think about hotel rooms, they add up so quickly. They're so expensive. Whereas if you can stay in a, a you know apartment that you're renting from someone, you have multiple rooms. It's gonna be similar to a price of a hotel. And then you have kitchens and stuff so you can cook there. So that's kind of another question you could ask. Do we want to cook dinner or do we always want to eat out? that's going to influence where you're going to stay when you go on vacation too. And another website that we like is travelmath.com. And so if you're, this is for domestic only pretty much, or if once you're in Europe or another continent, and if you're debating, should we drive there or fly there? What's the cheaper, most effective method of transportation. So you can go to travelmath.com and punch in different numbers and information and it will calculate for you whether it's worth it to drive or fly. Yeah, that's good. That's a good website to think about. Oh, is it, we're gonna have to rent a car and it kind of does a lot of the, the math for you and adds in things like, oh, I'm gonna have to eat on the road trip and that's gonna add expenses or what if our car breaks down and those types of things. And then for all of this stuff, I think it would just be really good to save all this information. Once you have these conversations with people, save it in an Evernote or save it in a you know a written document somewhere that you can access it and just saving all of your information into something like Evernote or there's an app called TripIt where you can forward your itinerary and things in there and it'll save everything for you. So that's something that you're going to want to keep everything in a centrally localized place so that you can get access to it and especially things that you can get access to if you don't have an internet connection that's something you want to consider because if you're going abroad and you don't have internet, you don't want to not have your boarding passes or itinerary or information on where you're staying and all those things. 
That would be unfortunate. So next part of planning is, of course, what to pack, which is one of my least favorite Mm. parts. And the question we probably get, we're moving overseas in a little less than a month. And people always ask, how do you decide what to pack? What are you doing? Most people are moving their lives overseas, but even on a trip, where do we start? So you got to start with what's the weather going to be like? Because I could be the best packer in the world and get all of my swimsuits and t-shirts and things ready. And then if I go to Siberia or Alaska in the winter, I'm going to be pretty disappointed with what I've packed, even though I rolled all of my clothes and it all fit in my suitcase and I wasn't over my allotted weight or size for my carry on. What's the weather going to be like? It's kind of where to start. And then you go from there. Even if you're going to a place like Florida, we were there in January while the polar vortex was happening around the world. And while it wasn't negative temperatures, we were still wearing sweaters and boots and jeans the entire time. And we were on the beach. So take a look at the forecast for the location you're going at the time that you're going to be there. Next question, are we going to be mostly inside or mostly outside? So that's, you know, if you're at the beach, you're probably going to be mostly outside. But when you think about places like Florida, the air conditioning is always raging. It's a constant 60 degrees inside of the hotels and places you're staying. So even though you're going to be mostly outside, you're probably going to want something to stay stay warm while you're inside. Absolutely. Another important question is what kind of activities events or things will we be doing on this vacation or trip? Is there a formal night? Will we be working out, doing things outside running or just going to dinner, kind of shopping so that you have the right kind of outfits for whatever your trip may include? I like this question. What could I bring that will save me time or money or hassle? So, for example, in some places, you know, if you get to the Caribbean and you realize that you don't have any sunscreen, they're going to rip you off because they can. It's kind of like when you go to a sporting event and you pay $25 for a hot dog. It's a little bit overpriced, but you really don't have a lot of options because they have you on an island or inside a ballpark. And so you have to, you have to think about some of those things like, oh, yeah, I should, I should definitely bring sunscreen with me and put it in my checked luggage or in a very tiny three-ounce container. Is it three Three ounces? ounces. Three ounces Mm -hmm. when you're traveling with carry-ons, liquids. Oh, man, that's such a hassle. It is. Another good question is, will I be able to do laundry or do I want to do laundry? So it may be an option, but if you're only there for a week, you're probably not going to care about re-wearing things or wanting to take the time to do the laundry. So asking yourself if it's available or if you want to spend the time doing that. Yeah, laundry is frustrating to do when you're on vacation because who wants to do laundry when you're on vacation? But if you're staying in a place that you got from Airbnb and it has an apartment and you're allowed to do laundry, you know, that's convenient. It's also inconvenient to just pack a ton of stuff because you're dragging it around. Inevitably, you're going to have to drag it to a number of places. You got to drag it from your house to your car, from your car to the airport, from the airport to the place you're going. And and if you're staying in multiple places, when you bring more stuff, it's just inevitably more of a hassle, even though it's like, yeah, it's trying to find that fine line between how can I bring everything that will make this fun and comfortable and everything I need? And at the same time, how can I reduce this to the point where I'm not kicking myself for bringing 27 pairs of shoes? I don't know. It's a hard balance. I'm still trying to find it. It's a learning process. It is. And this 
question kind of goes with it as well and mostly for domestic flights, but is it worth it to check a bag? So most airlines, other than Southwest, you have to pay to check a bag. Mm -hmm. So asking yourself, is it worth it? If you are going to be somewhere for several weeks or a longer period of time or need different kinds of outfits or any liquids that are over three ounces, you would have to check a bag if it's an, an item or cosmetic item, something that you couldn't get once you arrive or it's more expensive too when you arrive. So weighing the pros and cons of paying to check it or just having the carry on and getting what you need when you get there. It's a big choice. You can carry on or you can check your bag. And if your bag gets lost, what are you going to do? Because that's the danger. Not as much, I feel like, if you have a direct flight, but especially when you have a connecting flight and you're stopping somewhere and then your flight gets lost and then you're bummed. We're going to do a mini little round of at least one right now, which is when we decide one thing, at least one of these things that I want to bring with me. So I thought this would be a little fun way to say like, all right, no matter, basically no matter what kind of trip I'm going on, I'm going to bring at least one of these things. As in one of each of these items, not one of each of these items. Yeah. If I had to pick one, that would be really difficult. And it would be, yeah, I would really be in a lurch. Okay. Do you want to go first? You want me to item number one, a sweatshirt. A sweatshirt. That's an important one for you. I always get cold. You get cold, even if we're somewhere warm. It's true. Okay. At least one for me, umbrella or rain jacket. Kind of it's, I don't have to have both, but man, it rains everywhere almost all of the time. Well, it, at least that's what it feels like to me. So it doesn't technically. We're from Ohio. Yeah. And they're like, I guess if you're going to a desert, you probably don't need an umbrella unless you want to keep the sun off of you. True. Then it's still kind of good. So one of those tiny ones that like roll up into the size of a roll of quarters that are so tiny. Multi-purpose. Another, at least one, this is big for us, at least one snack in your carry-on. If you're going domestic flights, you're not getting a meal. You may be getting a bag of pretzels or peanuts. That's just not sufficient. If your flights get delayed, who knows what's going to happen. If you're sitting on the runway waiting to take off or while you're starving, one snack is just a good security. What's your snack of choice? Lara bars. Lara bars. Classic. Absolutely. Classic Shirkman snack. We love those things. Whole foods, whole ingredients. There's usually two or three in most of the bars. Some have more, but still solid, small, and filling. Hmm. One for me, at least one pair of tennis shoes. I And I, I have fairly strong convictions about wearing tennis shoes into an airport. Even if I'm going from warm weather to a beach, I'm wearing tennis shoes because I have run for so many flights in my life and I've hurt my feet so badly Hmm. by wearing flip-flops that I refuse to wear flip-flops anymore. And so I I always wear tennis shoes and I always bring tennis shoes because inevitably you're going to have to walk somewhere or if I want to go on a run or work out or whatever, it's, I always want to have a pair of tennis shoes. One of the most awful running for our flights, I forget where we were. This airport was massive. We were going upstairs, downstairs, not in the elevator, sometimes in the elevator and sometimes you had to take stairs and then you have to hop on the the shuttles that take you to a different part of it, up more stairs, down more stairs, Mm. dripping sweat. Mm -hmm. That's not fun. It's awful. It's not fun. And if you don't have tennis shoes on or track spikes or whatever your running shoe of choice is, it's not fun. Another at least one is a sweater or jacket. So this is different than a sweatshirt. A sweatshirt is more comfy just if it's a cooler night or maybe even 
for bed when you get cold, but a sweater jacket goes with the outfit. You know, compliments the outfit. It doesn't bring the outfit down. You're smiling at me with the funniest face. <laughs> yeah, that's maybe lower on my list. Uh, but I think, yeah, a jacket because it gets cold places. Or you know, when we went to Florida for our training for work and it was still really stinking cold, we were glad we had jackets then. One that I like, at least one change of clothes in your carry on because inevitably something will happen and you'll get stuff on your shirt. For me, it's normally like self induced. Like I. I'm eating something and get a stain on my shirt. But you know, you hear horror stories of like babies, like yakking on you from the seat next to you, or you get stranded and you are staying in the place that you are connecting and you can't get your bag overnight and you have to stay somewhere. It's nice to have a change of clothes in your carry on. Absolutely. At least one more, anything else for you? That's all for me. Okay. I, at least, at least one more for me book. At least one book. I like having a physical book because if my Kindle dies or whatever, then I can't read that book. But if I have a physical book, physical books can't die unless someone throws it into the fire. That is so deep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Physical books can't die. Write that one down. So as we're talking about all the different things that we're packing or need to pack or things you need to think about, I think it's really important to track things as we're packing them. So this could be in an Evernote, and Jordan and I have both built Evernotes that we, it's kind of the template, and we copy and paste it for different trips. So the things that we make sure we don't forget, whether it's certain chargers or allergy medicine, whatever it may be, those little things that you take on every trip. And there's also a really neat app called Pack point one word and this for this app you implement where you're going and the dates that you're going and it actually pulls the weather forecast for your trip at at that time what the weather will be like and it has you click on the different activities you would be doing there so kind of as we talked about earlier if you'll be working out if it'll be formal if any kind of different events that you could possibly be doing. And once you click on them, it builds a list of all the different things that you might need to bring. And so you can go through and check mark those or add your own items to it if, if there was something they didn't include or delete something that you don't feel like you need to bring. So PackPoint is a really great app to help you with that and to stay organized. Awesome. So we definitely want to know what I'm bringing with you. How about real quick, a, a packing blunder that you've had. Nikki, is there anything that comes to mind? That feels like a leading question. Like you have one in mind for me. Oh, no, I, I don't. Oh, but okay. Surely everyone has a packing blunder. It's true. I feel like, I mean, having started flying, what, 18 years ago was my first flight if I was about eight years old. Then... What I've grown the most in, I guess this is more of a general statement, is packing too much. I think most ladies will be able to relate to me on this one. When I was little, I always had the overweight bag. This is before they charged for your bag being overweight. So it's kind of more unfortunate if you do that these days. But it would get the heavy sticker on it, the bright orange, so that the, the poor people that had to carry this thing would brace themselves for it. So I've, I've learned over the years how to better pack, how to pack enough because believe it or not, I have packed too little before and I've got there and asked what, what did I plan to wear this whole time I was there? I brought one sweater for two weeks, just didn't work out. So learning how to balance when what's packing too much and too little. 
I feel like my biggest packing blunders are most often being underdressed. So mm. maybe if I could add one, at least one pair of dress pants for me. I mean, at least with dress pants, you can make something happen with, you know, a polo or a button-up shirt for a guy. But, man, when you just have jeans, you're just, just like, look at this slouch. Look at this guy. That's how I feel. I don't I don't think that about other people, but that's how I feel when I'm underdressed. Mm-hmm. Also, when things get, like, crushed in your in your bag and it, like, I don't know, if you have, like, shaving cream or something in your bag mm-hmm. and it just, like, squirts all over you, it's like, are you kidding me? Now everything is destroyed and That's I didn't want to do laundry. So I think my other blunder would be not bringing dress pants and having things that could potentially contaminate the rest of my suitcase, not in a sealed bag or something. Having them in their own separate. Yeah. Area. Having them in there or just that buying it there for, for me. It's like, okay, I can just buy a dollar can of Barbasol when I get there. Classic old man Barbasol shaving cream. Probably the worst one that I can relate to on that, nail polish remover. Mm. Oh, the worst. I have never had it not spill, leak everywhere. Most of the bottles just aren't very solid. So I one of my first flights when I was younger, I remember having nail polish and opening my suitcase and just being bombarded with this horrible smell of acetone acetone man since then i just pick up the 99 cent bottle at the local drugstore when i arrive if i even need it because you don't always use it Mm. but it's just wasn't worth it unless you're driving you cannot put a price on not having your clothes baptized in acetone (laughs) but a dollar a dollar is a pretty good price to make sure that doesn't happen it's worth it yeah Okay, I think we're good on the planning and packing end of things. So now we're at the point where it's like, all right, I'm planned, I'm packed, I got everything checked off the list. How am I getting to this place? How am I going on this vacation? Traveling, the actual part of it. Getting to the airport, through the airport, and getting to your destination. Mm, Airports. Some people's favorite places and a lot of people's least favorite places. My sister and I have always really enjoyed the airports. We used to play this game where we'd sit with uh, our headphones in to a song and find the people that were walking to the beat as we sat. And there would always be people that they obviously can't hear the music, but that was one of our favorite things. That's fun. I more view airports as vacation purgatory. It's like, I'm kind of in the middle. This isn't fun. It's not necessarily bad, but I don't love it. So... So the first question when you're traveling, when you're getting to where you want to go is, how am I getting to the airport? Am I going to drive? Am I going to take a taxi? Is someone going to drop me off? Is that person reliable? Because, man, if they're not and I miss my flight because they didn't pick me up, that's going to be a bummer. The next question, this is, I think, important to prepare for is am I ready to walk through security? Because they, they'll shout a hundred things at you up there to make sure you have out. And you don't want to be that person that, oh, you've gone through security and then you had your belt on and your shoes on and then you got to come back through because you had lotion in your pocket, whatever. You don't want to be that person. So do I have my ID out? And I even, when we're wearing tennis shoes, untie my shoes beforehand and just tuck the laces into the side of the shoe before we get up so that you can just quickly pull your shoes off and put them into the bin. 
already have all your liquids in a separate bag. So if I have any liquids in my carry-on, I have a quart size Ziploc bag because that's the standard size. It can't be bigger than a quart size bag. You can put all of them in there and just pull it right out of the front pocket of my book bag or your purse and it's already ready to go. I think another thing maybe in between those two things that we didn't think about beforehand was how much time do I need to leave when I get to the airport? Some people like to roll the dice. Some people, some family members of ours are a little more lax. I get a little bit uptight and I'm like, I, I just don't want to miss this flight. If I have to sit in the airport for an extra half an hour, that's okay. But if I get stuck in this line, I'm really going to be nervous. Our local airport, however, I have gotten through from walking in the front doors through security into my gate in seven minutes before. So you can pretty much show up whenever you want. But man, I've never had the door closed in my face, but it's one of my greatest fears after cheese graters, which is a totally another story that we don't have time. Unrelated. Yeah. Um, also when going through security, kind of my, my method of madness and you hinted at this, Nikki was I like to do shoes on top of belt on top of jacket on top of laptop backpack carry on. And obviously some of those things have to be in separate bins, but you want your shoes first because you, you don't want to go anywhere barefoot and then you put your belt on real quick so that you're not, you know, losing your pants and then everything else so that you kind of put it in the way that you're going to put it back on. So kind of reverse order that has been helpful for me. And I don't look like the guy holding everyone up. Sometimes I am cause I'm like trying to pull all the things and some airports have different regulations about what you can leave in and what you can't. And yeah. Anyway. So I, I have also been the guy that had to go back through because one time, but kind of one of my favorite things to do is to bring a water bottle and then fill it up in the drinking fountain in the airport. Which you're allowed to do. Which you're allowed to do if your water bottle is actually empty. But I, like a noob, I left water in my water bottle and I went through and they're like, what's this? I'm like, oh, it's water. And they're like, you're going to have to dump it out and come back through. I'm like, can I just chug it right here in front of you? You know, if it's like poisonous matter, obviously I'm willing to undertake that risk and prove to you that it's not. And they're like, no, you'll have to dump it out and come back through. I'm like, oh, good grief. So don't do that. So now we're in the airport. Hopefully you're well fed before you get there because you you know darn well they're not going to feed you well on the airplane. You, this is the part that I want you to, to run with because you're so good at this. You are the queen of engaging your seatmate. Mm, I do enjoy that because I think it's just such a unique space where you're pretty much guaranteed to be sitting by someone you don't know unless you're traveling with your big if you have a lot of family or people you're traveling with and you book your seats next to each other which I would almost encourage you to kind of break up in smaller groups so you can meet other people and it's usually depending on how long your flight is and it's just so neat you're all on this plane from all over probably the world and you get to sit down and have a conversation with them. Most places you're not seated next to strangers. So I, it's a really easy opportunity to start asking simple questions and engage them in conversation. So is whatever city we're going to say, we're going to Dallas. Oh, is Dallas your final stop? Is that where you're from originally? Are you, if you know, then you obviously respond and ask questions according to their answer. If are you on business or is this a vacation trip? Oh, who are you going with? What did you do while you were there? Asking them, um, you know, what they do for a living. But that's usually a question I like to wait on because that's just a question we go to very quickly in our Western society, wanting to know what people do. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I just prefer to get 
more fun information out of people. So asking them, what is your favorite place that you've traveled before? You're obviously on an airplane going somewhere. This probably isn't their first flight, but if it is, what a cool other conversation you can have and ask them how they're feeling about that. So it's just really easy to do that. And depending on your conversation, then my hope is always to try to get into some kind of spiritual conversation and just ask people what they think about spiritual things, if they've grown up with some kind of spiritual background, if they're from another country, especially asking what it's like in their culture specifically is a less threatening question because it's more general and not necessarily about them specifically. Yeah, I think it's really good to engage your seatmate in that way. You're going to be sitting next to this person for a while. You might as well get comfortable and talk with them. And I think it can be kind of intimidating. So sometimes you wait for them to start, but yeah, just, you know, asking them or if they're reading something, you know, I I try and be conscious of like not interrupting them when they're like pounding away on their keyboard. If they're like in an Excel spreadsheet, I don't want to interrupt them if it looks like they're working on something, but I think it is a really sweet opportunity. And sometimes I feel like you aren't allowed to talk about doing evangelism in front of a group of people unless you have a story about sharing your faith on an airplane. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a rite of passage in the Christian world of like, yeah, like, so I was talking to this guy who was, you know, from a country in the Middle East and he was on my flight and I shared the gospel with him and he came to Christ. And you're just like, whoa, that's amazing. But I think it's really not intimidating too because it's like, you're probably never going to see this see this person again. Mm -hmm. So you might as well take a step of faith and, and pray that the Lord would open up a door and engage with them. And, you know, for us, it's easy when they ask about our jobs. Normally that's a reciprocal question Mm -hmm. because we work with college students and help introduce them to Jesus and help them grow in their faith. It's kind of a natural segue to ask them about their faith and their spiritual background. And I think it's a good opportunity to just think like, Hey, maybe I don't, maybe I don't get to lay everything out that I would really like to, but at least I get them thinking about some important things and you can exchange contact info. And I've done that before and followed up with people. And it's been pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And just for the goal to be, to genuinely want to get to know this person and stories are fun to have, but you obviously don't want that to be your main goal and striking up a conversation. Well, I don't want that to be my main goal, but I think it's just people have a story. Everyone has something unique in their life and they have a unique story and life and situation. I think it's fun to hear that from people and most people enjoy talking about themselves. So it's pretty easy to get them started in conversation. And if you've befriended them and you're in the middle or the window seat and they're on the aisle, it's just nicer than for when you have to get out and go to the bathroom and then you've, you paved the way of your friendship. That's good. I thought this would be a good point to interject our category of don't blank on an airplane. So you're engaging with your seatmate and things, but there are some big mistakes that you can make to your own personal health on an airplane. And we don't want you to do those things. Mm. So Nikki, if someone said, what shouldn't I do on the airplane? You should, you would respond and say, don't drink water from the bathroom sink. Hmm. So if you want to refill your water bottle or the flight attendant isn't coming or you're in the bathroom like, oh, I'll just take a quick drink. Do not do that. It's really dirty. It's essentially the equivalent of drinking it from the same water that would go into the toilet in there. And the tanks just that hold the water are dirty. Uh, we read an article about it one time and it's it's sick. Also, it kind of applies to coffee and tea because they're basically mm-hmm. getting that from the tap and then they're heating it up, but maybe they're not heating it up hot enough to like kill all the bacteria or for long enough. 
So I probably wouldn't drink coffee or tea on a flight. I have in the past, I but it's risky. I think they use sterilized water, like the think, bottles. I don't think they use the bottles. You don't? No, I'm almost I'm almost positive they don't use the bottles, but we, we can haven't had this conversation discuss before. that another time. Anyway, it's a little bit risky. So if you're going to drink some type of liquid on an airplane, make sure that you are physically seeing them open that container. And there are, on some international flights we've been on, they've had... Uh, water dispensers in the back that have cup ne- cups next to them and it's separate from the water that they use for the bathroom and toilet and things. Allegedly. 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 But it's safe to drink, they say. They say. I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm very skeptical. It's just airplanes, someone described it as just a, a bus with wings. And so things that you wouldn't do on a bus, you also shouldn't do on an airplane, like lay on the floor or, you know, touch things that you don't need to. So the first one, yeah, don't drink from, don't drink water on an airplane in general. My first don't blank on an airplane is don't put your carry on behind where you're sitting because you will inevitably be a salmon swimming upstream, trying to get your bag from behind you when everyone is running off the airplane, whether it's their final destination or not. And you're referring to the overhead compartments, because obviously you wouldn't put your bag in the seat behind you. Yeah, that would just so, be strange. <laughs> when you <laughs> so first like, said it, that was my, my reaction. But the, for the overhead compartments, don't go back further than your seat is, because yes. that will be a mess. You're better off putting up way up front you can wander up there and get the stuff out that you need if you have to but normally hopefully you have that in your personal item your backpack or purse or whatever so don't put your carry-on behind you you will never get it it will just it will be stuck there forever this one makes me laugh and i feel like it's kind of poked fun at a lot by comedians things but don't stand up as soon as the seatbelt light goes off once you've landed you're at the gate just don't stand up immediately who enjoys being just surrounded that tightly by other human beings and they're not going to get off the plane any faster. So just sit and enjoy for another couple minutes and then you'll be off. When you're the guy in row 35 at the back of the plane and you're at the window seat, as soon as you come to the gate and the light dings to say you can take your seatbelt off, why do you want to stand for 10 minutes with your neck at a 90 degree angle crammed under the overhead compartment watching other people move? You literally cannot get out any faster. There's just no sense in that. I'm kind of, yeah, I kind of go on a tirade about that. It's just, why? Why are you doing that? It makes me anxious. It makes me anxious for you. You're not getting out. I think the one exception is like, you know, if your flight's kind of delayed and some people are connecting and sometimes they'll say, hey, if you could let off the people who are connecting first, practically no one is obedient to that. But, but, you know, it's nice when they are. Mm -hmm. My next one, don't recline your seat on an airplane in general. It's just... I know there's, you know, you disagree with me on this, Nikki, but (laughs) it, the extra two and a half inches doesn't bring you that much more comfort. And it actually makes the person behind you so uncomfortable. And especially if they have a laptop or a larger laptop, their laptop is literally getting crushed. And so, you know, they're working with their like T-Rex arms trying to type on their keyboard and the screen is at a 45 degree angle and they can't even see what's on it. And it's just, if everyone didn't recline, you know, we can suffer through it. The The exception to the rule is when you're on a long or overnight flight and everyone's sleeping, you know, that's it's kind of just like, play it by ear. See what everyone else is doing. If everyone is reclining, okay. But if not, it's, it's just kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. So don't do that. I, I do agree, especially on shorter flights. It's, it's kind of a give and take with shorter and longer flights because on longer flights, more people are going to be sleeping. They may sleep through the meal and then you're trying to eat with this little 
you know, a cute triangle you mm-hmm. have between your tray and mm-hmm. that seat. Good geometry term. Thank you. I remembered. So it, it's a give and take. But when you're just stinking exhausted, sometimes that two inches is just enough. I don't know. Okay. That's fair. Agree to disagree. Agree to disagree, <laughs> indeed. So don't do those things on an airplane. And lastly, don't touch anything you don't need to. Everything on a plane is dirty for the second time. It's all dirty. In this article that we're referencing that we're not putting in the show notes because it's on this like sketchy website, a flight attendant said that she's seen more diapers than food on the trays that you are touching. I have laid my head on those trays. On those dirty diaper trays. That is and appalling. They're not cleaning those things. They turn these planes around so fast. I don't have time to clean anything. So, yeah. Ugh. Everything's dirty. So Keep some hand sanitizer. I mean, sometimes you have to use it. If you're eating a meal, you're not going to yeah. eat it off your lap. No, and I think it's more just like, you can put the tray there, but don't like put your roll your dinner roll on the dirty tray like you might as well just wipe it around in the bathroom it's equally dirty (laughs) okay so kind of wrapping up the whole traveling portion of this last two questions to ask what are my plans once i land so am i like running to go see this show that we bought tickets for or should i eat dinner here at the airport even though i'm going to get ripped off or do i have time to just kind of take my time And then how am I getting from the airport to where I'm staying? So sometimes, you know, you can get a shuttle that's round trip and sometimes you can have your friend pick you up and, you know, there's lots of different options, but those are just a couple more questions to consider. So in the last part, we're going to talk about primarily the three main points of planning, the actual traveling process, and then third is being there. So now we have made it to said location. What are the things that happen or should be happening? Yes. Again, we... Everyone probably just stops the podcast when I use the word budget, but using a budget on a vacation is so freeing and so helpful so that you're not just blowing a ton of cash when you're in this place. So something that we have done is just setting a daily budget that's kind of all encompassing. So it's like, all right, we got 50 bucks a person to eat, to get around the city and to do something. And so, you know, you can, you can kind of give and take from day to day, but it's just really helpful to have a figure in your mind. It's like, all right, this is how much we have total and we can plan our days based on this amount. So instead of trying to budget every single category, that's hard when you're in a new place or in a new city, you can kind of say like, all right, we're going to walk and it's going to take us a little bit longer, but we'll have a nicer lunch or nicer dinner because we saved the money so we didn't have to take a cab to this place. And I think you mentioned this, but planning that, setting that budget before you get there, at least roughly, because it's just harder once you get there or it won't end up happening and you'll spend more money than you anticipated. But I think it does help you to then feel the freedom to go to dinner or do activities maybe that you wouldn't have or felt like, oh, we don't have the money for this. And it helps you then when you get home from vacation to not have buyer's remorse more or less that you've done all these things and now you have a credit card full of all of the fun things that you just did that doesn't make the vacation very relaxing on the back end so planning that in advance but having flexibility you may be going to a country that is really expensive and you didn't realize that before and the cost of simple things like water or bread are three times what you anticipated so there's flexibility and you can reevaluate once you get there, but having a general amount set is very helpful. Totally. So Nikki, what do you do when you thought you planned pretty well, you have a set budget, but you get to this place and you realize that everything is super expensive. 
what what do you do in that situation? How do you kind of call an audible? There's a couple ideas that we have come up with or have used that work for us in that kind of situation. One is eating at cheaper places for lunch, especially, you know, food trucks are a really big thing right now. And those are typically not very expensive. So just getting something smaller for lunch, you're probably still walking around or doing different things anyway. So you don't want this heavy meal. So just going somewhere lighter, more inexpensive for lunch. Or even on the opposite side, if there's this restaurant you really want to try out and it's normally pretty expensive for dinner, normally they have lunch portions and it's a little bit cheaper or even sometimes the same portions, but it's just cheaper because it's a different time of the day. So instead of going to the really fancy place for dinner, go to the fancy place for lunch and eat something cheaper for dinner. Genius. Yeah. Another thing we said, walk more because, you know, inevitably if you're walking, you're not paying for something other than potential pain in your hamstrings. Get groceries if possible. We talked about Airbnb or locations that you could get that have a kitchen. And even if they don't have a kitchen or like a refrigerator or stove, you could still get non-perishable snacks or a bag of bread and peanut butter and bananas and make sandwiches. None of those things require refrigeration. So just getting things so that even throughout the day or you're laying on the beach and you just want a quick little snack, you don't have to go pay $15 for some wings. You can just grab a quick bite. Boom. Prioritize what you want to see. So if you have a long list of different, if you're, you know, if you're in New York and you want to go to a Broadway show every night and you're like, oh wow, Broadway tickets are like a hundred or $200. I can't go to every Broadway show. Decide which ones you want to go and see so that you can at least do the things that are at the highest part of your list. Another big name in the travel industry is Rick Steves. You've probably heard of him if you've done any kind of travel research or traveling, but he has so much information on everywhere. It's amazing. He's a genius. He really is. But he has a free podcast that you can download on many different countries. So sometimes they're regional, sometimes they're specific to a certain city, state, or country. So I would really recommend checking those out first and then download them in advance. And then when you get to the place, you can do a self-guided tour. A lot of times he'll tell you how to walk around a place. When we were at the Coliseum, there was a Rick Steves specifically Coliseum podcast. So we all put in our headphones and he guides you around the Coliseum and it was completely free. We had to pay to get in. But other than that, we could do the tour for free. One last thing. As always, you can count on Google best free things to do in blank in this city. Such a helpful thing. You would be shocked at how many people are looking for other fun free things to do. And a lot of cities have lots of fun free things to do. One of our favorite free things are free walking tours. And then you tip at the end. And what's cool about that is if they weren't any good, then you can just give them a little bit. And if they were really good, then you can give them more and it's worth it. And you can leave in the middle of it if it's not that good and you don't feel bad. You haven't spent any money so far. You've, you know, just lost a little bit of time, but we've done you that. don't have to suffer through. Yeah, we've done that. A couple, couple other things while you're in a place. This isn't so much on the budgeting, but finding where the locals go is one of our favorite things to do. So one way to do that is you could ask your Airbnb host, so the person that you're, you know, renting from or staying with, or you could ask the hotel attendant or, you know, manager about their favorite places to see on a local level. And we've discovered some really interesting places that way. Another idea is to revisit the priorities you discussed when planning. So now that you're at the place that you've hopefully communicated about in advance with your spouse or family or, or group is to revisit those once you get to a place. So you make sure that you're still all on the same page. 
one of our favorite things to do when we're at a place is to send a postcard to someone. And there's actually a really cool app that we found called Postagram. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. But basically, you can take a picture of something you saw or yourself at that place and send it to someone and write a message on it. I think it's like a buck and they'll mail it to someone for you. So, you know, it's super cheap in comparison to buying postcards at some places. You don't have to go through the work of writing it all out and finding a post office and all that stuff. So it's pretty cool to send, you know, a a picture of you at that place to someone you love. And you can mail them from anywhere in the world. I think only to the United States. Actually, I saw an international tab, but I I haven't explored it. So it might be a little more expensive. But yeah, it's you could be in Italy and send one to your mom in Ohio. And that's great. Another idea, something that I've wanted to start doing, the things you find on Pinterest. But when you get to a place, so kind of sticking with this postcard idea, is sending yourself a postcard from where you visit. And on the back of it, You could do it at the end of the trip and write what you did during your trip with the dates of when you went and then send it back to your home address. And then you can start compiling all these postcards and put them on a ring or something that you can look through. And it's a really inexpensive souvenir and way of documenting your trip and what you did and the time that you had there. Kind of going along with that, remembering where you're at. If you have some type of collection, we have a coffee mug collection going, which is, you know, an inexpensive thing. You know, it's 10 bucks to pick up a coffee mug at most places. And it's just cool to remember your trip and it's something useful. It's not, you know, like trinkets that are just collecting dust and we actually use them. So that's fun for us. And then the last one, and this I think is one of the most important when you're on a trip is just to relax and be present. Just enjoy where you're at with the people you're with. If things Go not according to plan, roll with it. Flexibility and sense of humor. A dear friend once told us were the two most important things as we were traveling. And they really are true to just, it changed, oh well, no problem. Something went wrong, laugh at it. It will make everyone more at ease and just be more enjoyable. And also put your phone away. You're not going to wish you looked at Instagram more or at Instagram more trips at your picture. Do that later when you're home, but not as you're out with the people you're with. Enjoy your time. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, is that people have such high expectations walking into a vacation and you are just setting yourself up for failure when you think this is going to be the best vacation of all time and it's going to be the most restful and all these things. So I think like go in with this heart of like, man, I really want to rest. I want to be with these people. I want to connect with the Lord. I want to make that a priority. I want to view it as almost like an extended Sabbath where I'm really just making the most of this time, connecting with others, connecting with the Lord and not living to vacation and not uh, and not putting super high expectations on it. And I think that that's just can be such an important thing when we go on vacation. We want it to just be a sweet time of, of memories and, and having fun. And you don't have to spend a ton of money to do those things. And it can be a time that's really restful, but don't put your hope in your vacation. Cause when you hope in your vacation, you're inevitably going to be disappointed. Well said. Okay. We've done a couple of different, like quick rounds. We're going to do one last one on international tips in our experience, a lightning round of that. And then we're going to wrap up. We don't want to waste anyone's time. My first tip is get cash from an ATM so you don't do it at an exchange center because you're going to get ripped off by the exchange rate there. So hopefully you have a bank like Charles Schwab, one of our favorites, that doesn't charge any ATM fees anywhere in the world. So also be sure to call your bank before you go. Get cash from the ATM and they'll give you the local exchange rate instead of getting ripped off for exchanging your cash. And then also you don't have to worry about carrying a bunch of cash overseas. Next 
tip for international trips, sometimes carry-ons have a weight limit. So check into that. That's not true on most domestic flights in the United States, but international flights do. So check your airline before you leave. Yeah. Normally on the way home, they'll hit you. Sometimes it's like less than 20 pounds and that's barely the weight of a suitcase sometimes. One of our favorite apps is City Maps to Go, which is really cool. You can download everything to your phone and it'll even still use GPS while you're not using data and it'll help you like walk around a city. It downloads Wikipedia articles for you. So good for exploring a city. City Maps to Go. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Another app is Viber, V-I-B-E-R. This is a great way to communicate with people back home. You do need a smartphone. I know they have it for iPhone, I believe, and Android. I'm not sure other than that. I don't know what people use other than that. But Viber is a free, completely free way. You can text and call. Both parties have to have the app downloaded, but it's totally free and it's how we've kept in touch with our family members while abroad. So you need Wi-Fi to use it, but... You do. You do need Wi-Fi to use it. So once you get to your hotel or wherever you're staying, you can ask for most places have Wi-Fi and then just to send your family a little notification. It's a good thing to consider when you're going and booking your vacation that you have Wi-Fi if you need it to be in touch. Download things before you leave. So the Rick Steves podcast, like if you're going to a city, look for all the Rick Steves podcasts, download them to your phone, bring your headphones, plop those in when you're traveling. Interact with the locals. Don't just go. I mean, you're going to be the tourist where you go, and that's okay. But make an effort to really interact with the locals, asking them how to say something in their language if they don't speak English. Uh, That just goes a very long way in most cultures, even just hi and thank you. And those are things you can continue to use at restaurants and places that you go and just really wanting to be a learner of their culture, even if you're only there for a week or a couple weeks. In general... Let your default position be don't drink the tap water. It's kind of crazy how many places in the world where it's just not safe to drink the tap water. So you need to buy bottled water while you're there. I know it's expensive. It can be, but you don't want to be Cheaper than your sick. health failing. Cheaper than your health failing. Great point. And most other places, well, this is true in Europe, they have water with gas and water without. So it's not like tonic water. It's just bubbly not very good. Some people like it, but it's not good. So check that before you buy it, that it is without gas. Yes. Without gas or without bubbles. They kind of use different phrases. And then the last one, bring copies of your passport. I would say paper copies, you know, keep those with you. And then a digital copy as well. If you lose your passport, your passport gets stolen and you're stuck in another country. It's going to make your life 10 times easier. If you can go to, you know, an American embassy or consulate and get another copy of your passport made because you already have a a copy and some other identification. So Keep that in mind. We covered a lot of ground. We sure did. I think, have we gotten everything? Do we get everything that that we wanted to to chat about? Okay, wow. Well, good luck on your travels, wherever you're going, listener. We are excited for you to travel. If there's anything you think we missed or apps that you really like or enjoy using, get in touch with us. Nikki, how can people get in touch with us? We would love to hear from you for any feedback, positive or negative we would love to hear or comments on today's podcast you can email us at feedback at unpacked.co you can also find us on twitter jordan is at j shirk and i'm at n shirkman again it'd be awesome if you take a minute to leave a review on itunes you can go to unpacked.co slash itunes to leave a review Thanks so much for listening to the Unpacked Podcast, a conversation to start conversations 
We unpack traveling today for God's glory and for your good, wishing you safe travels and a great trip wherever you're going and send us a postogram of where you went. Thanks so much.